Hi, my name is uh, Dushka Dubojevic. I'm the Managing Director of Raiden Resources. We're an uh, ASX-listed uh, exploration and development company. Um, our key project is the Mount Shoal Nickel, Copper, Cobalt, Palladium project in the Pilbara region of Western Australia. It's an advanced project, which we are now uh, drilling at the moment. And this is the first campaign that's been happening over this project for uh, well over a decade. Tushka, how are you? I haven't seen you for a while. You well? Been a long time. Yeah. Well, yeah, lack of, lack of travel and uh, getting your head down and actually doing some work. Um, would be the cause for that. So, um, might be worth just introducing yourself to um, the viewers and listeners. I mean, so give us a bit of background on on you. Certainly, uh, by background, by training, I'm a I'm a geologist, exploration geologist. I've been uh, I've been in the in the industry for over 15 years. Uh, the last five years, I've been in uh, in corporate roles, and specifically with Raiden. Uh, I've been with Raiden since inception since we uh, started the company back in 2018. And right. We've been heading the ship since then. So, um, but, but um, sorry, and by the way, I'm going to apologize for a little, the, the noise of the fan in the background because your, your large PC is, is struggling with the heat uh, and processing data, pr presumably. So um, before we get any complaints, um, can you just um, give, give us a bit more about, you know, what, what have you done in the past which is kind of relevant to what you're trying to do today? Because I know you've worked all over the world, but what, what's, what are the most relevant uh, experiences that you've had? Um, I've had quite an eclectic career. It's spanned uh, through through many roles from early stage exploration through to working on development projects as well. So I've worked on a development project quite uh, quite closely uh, in uh, in Senegal. Um, I was in, I was responsible for brownfield exploration at that point in view. That was very much a technical role. Um, I've also done a lot of due diligence and evaluations for for a number of uh, clients, uh, where we would have taken let's call it advanced properties and run through the exercises of trying to determine whether the project is a, an advanced advanced project which has been standing on the side for a reason or whether there is actual economic viability for this thing to be progressed. Right, okay. So the different things of a reboot and a rehash, because, um, yeah, the rehash things, a lot, a lot of that out there. Um, so you, tell us about what, you know, how you pick this asset up and you know, what, it, indeed, have you got and what it cost you? Certainly. So um, I guess just as a bit of background, the company was uh, initially founded on assets in Eastern Europe, uh, where we have these were exploration assets uh, focused on the Western Tetian within Serbia and Bulgaria. We have a very large ground holding. And what we've been doing is just building up the portfolio here over, since 2018 and doing a lot of target generation. Um, uh, I'd like to point out that this uh, this part of this of the this part of the portfolio will be taken forward as well. We are in the, in discussions with various partners uh, to ensure that shareholders retain the discovery upside. Now, in 2020, uh, you know, gold was gold was doing really well. Uh, it was just the beginning of of COVID. Uh, there was a, quite a bit of uncertainty, as with everybody, in terms of what you know, we would be and wouldn't be able to do here in Europe. And, and the situation was quite fragile at that specific time within the first few months of COVID. Uh, in contrast, Australia was a pretty good place to operate. Uh, we were offered a portfolio of projects in the Pilbara in 2020. Um, 
and it was uh, mostly a script deal. So there was a cash, some cash involved, but in essence, we ended up uh, paying approximately 20% of the company at the time for this portfolio. And like I said, it was quite a large portfolio of projects. It, uh, the focus was on the gold asset, uh, which is called Arrow. And <clears throat> still a, a, a very high quality exploration play, which is approximately 30 kilometers down the road from a project uh, discovery, the Hemi discovery by DeGray. Uh, but within the portfolio, we also acquired uh, two relatively small licenses called, and that's uh, the Mount Shoal project. Uh, we had a closer look at this project and uh, we realized that there was an immense potential within the whole district. And then following 12 months, what we've been doing is consolidating the entire district to a point where now we control uh, all the known historical deposits and prospects within the entire district. And we've pretty much covered off the entire uh, uh, exploration potential of the ultramafic intrusion. So what Mount Shoal is, um, like I said, we didn't initially go into the Pilbara for this asset, but we recognize the potential of it. Um, and it's a, it's a historical deposit, which was owned by uh, well, numerous operators before that. Uh, they had a uh, processing plant about 11 kilometers down the road from us. So this was, in essence, the upside potential to historically producing mine, uh, Radio Hill which has since been, then production has ceased and resources were uh, exhausted. But, you know, as with our industry, as you have these fluctuations in price and markets, etc., the uh, Mount Shoal deposits never got developed. So essentially they, they remained as latent upside. Um, so it's uh, defined through 80,000 meters of historical drilling. Uh, so there's quite a lot of work which has been done on this thing. Um, it's got three historical deposits with Jork 2004 resources. And uh, historical work essentially focused on very much the highest grade portions of these deposits. So uh, cumulatively about nine, approximately nine million tons uh, running at maybe 0.5 nickel and 0.5, 0.6 copper. Uh, all three deposits are near surface uh, or outcropping essentially. Uh, all three deposits are open along strike along and, and at depth with very good grades. So a, a very, very exciting opportunity to be able to take on a project like this in a nickel market, which we're in and, you know, generate value for shareholders. Right, but, but, but tell me this, just go, um, you would have a 10 million market cap at, at the moment. You've swung from the Tathian play, Serbia play, through to the Aussie play. And you've kind of explained, you know, okay, the vagaries of the, you know, the, the, the gold market and you know, what, what's been happening out there has, has, has been tricky, but you, you're, not getting, you're not getting that traction that you want. What are you going to do with the data or in terms of in your plans at Mount Shoal, which is going to drive this thing and capture people's attention because it seems to be moving probably too slowly as far as the market's concerned. So what, what, what's, the, what's the big idea? Look, absolutely. I think it's taken us a long time to be in a position where we can get on the ground and drill. I think the market's 
you know, made it quite clear that they did want us to, to move faster. Uh, management did move as far. We, we did this as quickly as possible. And part of what we were doing is actually building relationships with the local communities as well at the same time. So it's, it's not complete standby time. Um, it is something that that is absolutely important with regard to any project. Um, now we're, as you said, you know we're a ten million dollar company at the moment, but this right now is the first time we're actually in the last eighteen months since we've been saying that we're about to get on the ground and start drilling. This is the first time we're actually doing it right now. So um, this is a very important uh, drill campaign because it should allow us to add a lot of value to the project through relatively uh, small amount of drilling. Uh, and that is in terms of conversion to potentially jork resources, uh, modern jork resources. It's the potential to uh, get some further information on, on metallurgy. And, and it will give us a, this is the key program right now, which should help us map out a path where, where do we go with this asset uh, over the next, let's say, 12 to 24 months? Are we looking at extensions? Uh, is the lower grade mineralization potentially uh, going to, is the metallurgy going to perform as we anticipated on the lower grade metallurgy? Do we have a larger open pitable asset here? Uh, our, our cutoffs and our modeling suggests that we might have upwards of 20 to 40 million tons here in open pit. Uh, like I said, historically, uh, most of the work was focused on uh, the highest grade portions of, uh, of mineralization. The other important thing we need to determine, and it's, it's, it's a positive. I mean, the last time this project was uh, being considered from, uh, from an economic point of view, Palladium was maybe one-tenth of the price of what it is today. Maybe not one-tenth, but I was at some point down in the $300 range. Uh, Palladium right now is well over $2,000 an ounce. So uh, there are a lot of hopefully positive surprises, which, which we're going to have. Uh, we know what we do have, but uh, like I said, I think there is the potential for really uh, generating value for relatively a small amount of money. That we're about to spend on this campaign, right? Okay, so twenty to forty million tons is, is is not a lot. Okay, the grades are okay. So you're going to need to show and deliver scale on this thing. And you, you know, so are you really clear with this drill campaign, which is which is starting now? Where are you going and, and what it's going to allow you to actually tell the market? Because there's a kind of bit of you need to manage the market's expectations. You know, having said you're going to get after this for you know the last few months and, and, and you haven't. And I get the community relations, that's really super important. But at the same time, the market's going, it's tough out there. I'm looking for good news stories. I'm looking for you to kind of deliver into this, you know, battery metal thematic, which you, you, you've told us you will do. Um, but what what are what are the things that you're going after? Clearly, high grade. Although you and I know grade isn't the only factor, it's one of many factors. It's the factor which gets the market going. So are you going after kind of some nice easy headline wins or are you trying to map this out, plan this in the correct geological manner so that you actually get a better sense of you know, what you're dealing with here? What's the approach? We're looking at this very much strategically with a long-term view. So while I think, you know... <laughs> We will hopefully get some nice headline numbers, but these headline numbers are all part of the actual work which we need to undertake anyway. 
right? So uh, we need to get the core. We need to we need to uh, twin some of these holes. Um, so in essence, where we are taking this thing is you're right. It's not it's not uh, it's not it's not a tier one nickel deposit uh, with you know two percent grades, but it's also incredibly underexplored. I would say 90% of the drilling has been only in the top 100 meters. All three deposits are outcropping. So, in essence, if you if you're talking about the nickel deposits, this is a uh, nickel, palladium, copper, cobalt deposit, uh, which sits in world's best mining jurisdiction, is outcropping, is within a stone's throw of all the infrastructure and a port that we need. So that is, you know, the exciting stories. We know what we have which is an advanced nickel deposit. But what we don't have and what subsequent drilling campaigns are going to tell us is this the potential to then grow to 40, 50, 60, 100 million tons because it hasn't been explored. Like I said, I think what we have right now is exciting. Um, it's, it's a great asset in a great juris jurisdiction uh, with a great commodity. But what we don't know is, is there 100 million tons here at 1% nickel, right? We don't know, so that's what the subsequent drilling campaigns are going to be focused on as well. So, so let's so let's look at that then. So, how does a ten million dollar company come out there? Like, so for, first of all, how much money have you got today, and how much is allocated to drilling? So, we've raised uh, just recently one point eight million dollars. That was on top of uh, previous cash holdings. So, we're just at a two million dollars as of the last reporting date. Um, and roughly we're looking at about 1.4 million, 30% uh, of all, by the way, of, of the uh, expenditure will be going, will be paid through stock to the drilling contractors as well. So, you know, it's, we have sufficient capital for this initial maiden drilling campaign. And we anticipate as well, uh, some capital to come in from some of the divestments, which we, which we're undertaking at the moment. From non-core, non-core, non-core assets of the portfolio. Where, what are they? The non-core stuff. Uh, well, look, non-core is everything other than uh, Mount Shoal at the moment. So part of the strategy is okay. So arrow, arrow, arrow could go. Arrow, uh, the remainder of the assets in Australia as well as uh, the assets in Eastern Europe, which we still own. Um, so we are looking to do divestments of these uh, assets to obviously generate value, keep the upside expiration for shareholders, um, and and uh, bring some cash in as well. Okay, so okay, so you're look, it's, it's, a, it's a delicate dance that you guys have to do at this level. You've got, you got every dollar counts, right? And you've got to work out how you get cheap money in, um, you know, and, and and how you monetize uh, non-core. Brilliant. So we'll wait to hear um, how you do that over the next few months or so. Um, with regards to the best use of money, I said it that every dollar counts. The best return on capital invested is, as far as you're concerned, is is through the drill bit. Yeah. So what? Actually, so, so then what? What work has been done on the historic data? Have you reinterpreted it in any way? Or I mean, because there's some value there. But absolutely, look, absolutely. I mean, that's what we've been doing for the last twelve months, quite intensely. Uh, we've had a dedicated person essentially looking at this, taking the historical data, remodeling it. Uh, you have to realize that, like I said previously, I think uh, cobalt and palladium weren't even being considered as bright products 
in the historical uh, analysis, economic analysis. Uh, it was purely based on copper and nickel. It was purely based on the assumptions that only the highest grades will work. Uh, a lot of historical work has gone into this thing. So again, the op it's a fantastic opportunity for us to actually take these assets right now and in essence, uh, put them into the context of today's nickel environment, uh, copper, palladium, and 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 uh, see how to take this thing forward. Look again, it's just down the road. We had uh, we had production from very similar deposits with very similar grades, right, and lower prices than what we have today. So uh, we've we've been doing this uh, quite intensely. Uh, we obviously need a lot more data. We need core. We need core. We need to we need to do more. Uh, we need to do more metallurgy, in essence. Uh, we need to figure out if we can be more aggressive with uh, some of the uh, some of the pit designs which we've been undertaking. And and from here we'll have, like I said, we'll have a much clearer understanding of uh, how we approach this asset over the next eighteen to twenty-four months as well. Right. Okay. And. Here's the other bit. So, so I appreciate what you what, what you're doing, and and, and you know it, it it sounds like there's there's a plan, and you got to get lucky, you got to be smart, you got to be efficient, all of those wonderful things. But I've got to come back to something I, I said earlier, which which is around how you talk to the marketplace at this level. Who in the team is the market facing guy or the street facing guy that's talking to the brokers, is talking to any of this kind of this uh, capital which you may need coming down the line um, and, and, and even facing off against retail because you, you need to pitch this it needs to be positioned as a story which you're in control of the things that you're in control of that you are going to be able to create some, some, some value and if it doesn't kind of work out can you offload it to someone else who might have the balance sheet to do that so there's a, there's a, there's a lot to do there but who, who, are, are you the, are you the are you, are you the finance guy? Are you the money guy? Am I the money guy? I'm. I'm essentially. I mean, obviously, as as most junior exploration companies, you know, we'll we'll have to wear many many different hats. Uh, when it comes to raising capital, yes, I do get involved. Uh, I work very closely with uh, with our chairman on this, Michael Davy, who's based in Perth. Um, so he's been very closely involved with a lot of the financing, and we've had really good support. Look, in terms of in terms of raising capital, our, our last capital raise, the 1.8 million, uh, came in very quickly. It came in in less than a day. Uh, so I think people do see the value in the asset. Obviously, uh, the uptake from from the market has been slow. But in all fairness, you know we haven't uh, we haven't been able to demonstrate the value of the project because we haven't been able to get on the ground in the last 12 months. Uh, that's obviously changed, right? Uh, in terms of uh, telling the story, it's once again, today, it has been a little bit challenging because it's kind of repeating over and over what we're, yeah, we're going to get on the ground, we're going to drill, we're going to get on the drill. People want to see drill results. Again, it's happening. So it's quite interesting. I think this would be probably one, one of the, the first marketing events that I'm doing uh, subsequent to us being able to get on the ground and start drilling. And, and the story to date has not been told as aggressively as as obviously uh, we would have been able to but again there's only so much talking you can do about rehashing historical data people want to see you get on the ground and start drilling so that is happening right now uh unfortunately you know 
markets are what the markets are, but that, you know, it's, it's always going to be a cyclical nature. And, uh, you know, we're going to be pretty aggressive in terms of telling the story. And you're right. The, the next question is, uh, where, where are you taking this asset? Right. Who's going to be, you know, is this going to be mined? Is this ultimately, you know, uh, is it going to be a heap leach? Is it, we don't know. It's it's ultimately uh, a lot of questions are going to be answered from this first drawing campaign. We'll be getting critical information that we need. Um, you mentioned, you know, you have to be you have to be smart. You have to be lucky. In essence, we don't have to be that lucky because 80,000 meters of historical drilling has, you know, taken on a lot of this risk for us. A lot of the te technical risk, it's been de-risked, right? So we're a company with a nickel deposit, right? How big and how high grade can we get it? You know, that's the question which we're going to be answering over the next 12 to 24 months. Okay, great. And just, just going to finish up, I want to talk about the, the kind of the share register structure. So have you been in it from the beginning? Absolutely. Yeah. How much money have you put in? Money, not sweat equity. Money. Probably over 150,000. Uh, I've bought, I've participated. I have close to 30 million shares, uh, most of which I've actually purchased. Okay. In the open market? In the, uh, in, I've participated in the raises, but we've been, uh, uh, we've been, yeah, quite active. So it's been quite tricky where to purchase in the open markets, but most of my stock has been paid for. Right, so you, and it says here directors own 5% of the company. Um, presumably not everyone's been piling in money, everyone's been given given shares for participating um, in this thing. So um, who are the kind of... I believe all the, all the directors have, uh, or most of the directors have essentially uh, bought a lot of their own stock as well. A lot? Okay. So, uh, a, a fair amount. I would say more than half of the shares which are owned by the directors have been purchased. Okay, okay. It, it, yeah, it, okay. Well, I guess that, you know, it's all relative. And we're, look, as management, we're well incentivized. Uh, and I'd like, you know, pretty well in line, pretty much in line with the shareholders. So, you know, we'll do well if, if the stock price does well. Okay, okay. Um, and, and who are the kind of big shareholders in this? We have uh, Qatar Investments. Which is essentially uh, Tolga Kumova's private investment, Drop Juice and Tanisha. Uh, we have uh, Pact and Gold, which was essentially the vendor that we purchased the Australian assets from. They are our biggest uh, shareholder as well. Uh, they're sitting at just about 10%. So it's a pretty tightly held stock. Top 20 hold over 50% of the company, right? And and it's been uh, it's been a group of investors, the top 20 that have. Uh, really supported us in multiple raises over the last two years. Okay, okay. And the money that you do have right now, this is circa two million. That's going to last you until when? And you know, are you reassessing the job program off the back of what's happening in the marketplace? Because you know, do you think the market? Anyone's paying attention in the market, or is it you, you've got to? And because of the kind of recent history, you've got to get on with drilling at full full bore, full pace. Look, we you know we we anticipate this will take us through till the end of the program, and then some to do some of the studies thereafter. Now, in terms of in terms of uh, you know the. In terms of the market, it's, you, you're right. It's a challenge. It's it's, it's a challenging time for for companies. Uh, we are looking in terms of how extensive this program will be. And again, like I said, you know, we're looking to 
create as much value as we can with as little drilling. Now that will depend on the early results. So if, if let's say within the first month of drilling, we're hopefully achieving more than uh, we uh, than, than we were planning to, there is the scope to perhaps decrease the, the size of the program, serve some more capital. If we again, if we can achieve these milestones uh, with the with less drilling. Uh, but ultimately, look, I mean, we, we're not going to be sitting on the asset. Uh, there, is, uh, there are always discussions that are ongoing, uh, be it in terms of whether we take this asset more aggressively ourselves, whether we pace ourselves and wait for the right timing in the markets. But also, um, you know, from a, a strategic point of view, this is probably the biggest asset in the Pilbara right now within a 30 kilometer radius. There are quite a few, quite a number of nickel assets up there. Uh, most of them are way smaller than this asset. This is the most advanced asset as well. Um, so I think it's got a, it's got quite a bit of strategic importance to it as well, um, which does give us the potential to to perhaps, you know, start looking up over the horizon, and that may present uh, potential funding opportunities as well without having to dilute in these markets at the moment. Okay, well, um, let's, let's see how that side of things goes. And I guess the, the other kind of element to this before I go um, is the, you've, I think you've talked about heritage surveys, permits, and that sort of thing. In, in again, in, in today's environment, it seems, well, I think it's a slight, the, the tide is slightly uh, change, changing on, on this one, but it has been a big topic for the last 18 months or so, which is around the ESG and social permits. and social licensing and in Australia's case the heritage surveys are, are, are super super important is, it, is this all part of that conversation that you're having locally to ingratiate yourself as the new guys on the block absolutely it's you know we're calling it ESG today ultimately it's it, it, it's common sense I mean we you know there are companies that have been making mistakes before the companies that make mistakes even even today and you know we we really took our time and we really want to work with the community very closely on this one. Uh, a lot of the uh, a lot of the the ground where we are looking to do our work has been previously disturbed, uh, but ultimately, you know, we had to get these agreements into place anyway. Uh, we we negotiated in, in really in good faith with the community, and we think this you know we want this asset and we want this story to be a to be a win win. Uh, for everybody, like I said, it's my firm belief from experience on every continent I've ever worked in in every country. If you don't have a win-win relationship and a working positive relation with the local community, no matter how much support you're getting from whatever levels of government, ultimately it's it's going to be very difficult to move that project forward. Dushko, appreciate your time today. Thanks for sharing the story with us. Stay in touch. I want to see how this thing uh, develops. Thank you, Matthew.